The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to a came from the radio show, the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Yes, I have a toy. We <laughs> have from uh, the life with energy, Jenny Feldy. What's good, fam? And we <laughs> have fishy sarcasm's very own Dominic Definition Mansbrile. It's really lonely in my bunker <laughs> on this week's show. We have another Jay Bird and Lee segment. We have um, our very own senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, interviewing Eli, from the L.I. Who uh, convention, actress Rachel Grant. And we Yay! have our very own uh, Dominic Definition Mansperano having an interview with uh, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends from the R.I.G.H.T. project, the right project. I enjoyed that interview. That was a lot of fun. They were, they were really cool. I really like those guys. They were awesome. Um, but before we do any of that, let's take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, in which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention uh, is the Big Apple Trading Card Show, which is scheduled for January 29th of 2022. Uh, tickets are on sale right now. Uh, the news is also brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for uh, your uh, Wi-Fi. There you go. Well done, Charlie. Um, and I want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Gorilla, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unchikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, Yasmin and Ray, and Rosa. You want to get your own little shout-out? Go to our website, brand-new website, www.camefrenero.com. There's a button to donate. It'll, it'll take you right to the Patreon page, and just for $8, you can get a shout-out on our show. There's also other stuff there, but the, the main one that we're looking for is uh, just throw us a dollar. We will greatly appreciate it. All right, so let's see. We yeah, have, uh, I'm so I'm so full of virtual pizza. I can't have another bite. <laughs> I have virtually eaten so much virtual pizza. Yeah, I went on a virtual diet. So we have um, I'm we virtual need virtual salad. <laughs> so we have one bit of sad news uh, this week. Actor, producer, director, and television executive Dwayne Bernard Hickman died recently from complications of park from Parkinson's disease. Uh, Dwayne appeared in such films slash TV shows as the eight film Rusty series comprising of The Return of Rusty, For Love of Rusty, Son of Rusty, My Dog Rusty, Rusty Leads the Way, Rusty's Birthday, and Rusty Saves a Life. Uh, the, boy with the, the Boy with Green Hair, one of Charlie's uh, Saladino's oh, favorite movies. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Sun Comes Up, Mighty Joe Young, The Happy Years, The Bob Cummings Show, Cat Bayou, Ski Party, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini, I want to see that movie now, and Dr. Goldfoot and a Bikini Machine, just name a few. 
Uh, for most, however, Dwayne was best known for the lead role in a series, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, which aired from 1959 to 1963. Uh, Dwayne reprises the role of Dobie in the TV movie, Bring Me the Head of Dobie Gillis in 1988. Cena correspondent Charlie Saladino, was that in your time frame of watching? Yes, TV? it was. Oh, wise breath. Yes. Um, I remember watching that on TV, and my favorite character in there was Dobie Gillis. Dwayne was the uh, voice of reason there. He always had these philosophy things he was feeding, but my favorite character was uh, Maynard G. Krebs. Which, which was, was played by Bob, uh, Bob, Bob Denver. Denver, yes. Bob Denver. And he had a little goatee. And uh, yeah, so it was a big uh, show when I was uh, a chitlin. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, he was a big part of that uh, era. So do so, you remember him in The Boy with the Green Hair? Uh, yes, I do. That's crazy. I, do remember. I remember you were talking about it. When um yeah, well, that's King Stockwell when, um, had died. You're like, oh, the right. boy with the green hair, boy with the green hair. I was like, what was it about? Yeah, it was about was, a boy with green hair. <laughs> that was one hell of a freaky movie trip for me. <laughs> yeah. I was I was getting up and looking in that mirror every day. So you have green hair. So anyway, yeah, so that that is sad. Uh so Poor Dominic uh, Dominic Jen, do you are you familiar with that show? Many I loves of Gilby Gillis. Dominic. <laughs> That's Jen's way of saying no. And... No. Do I know anyone is? Come on. No, you've, I don't know. No. Um, That's why honestly... you guys have me here. <laughs> I might know, but I don't pay attention to people's names. So I'm sorry. I, yeah. You know, every once in a while, it'll pop up on antenna TV. <laughs> I can yeah. honestly say I, I don't. I've never, I didn't watch that. Although, as I look through his IMDb, I can say like I must have seen him in something because he was in yeah, pretty much everything right. between the fifties to yeah. uh, basically up to the nineties that he was in, in yeah. television. So you know, I, I've run across this guy. It's funny because as I'm looking up the many loves of Dobie Gillis, and I just come across like basically these four characters were the inspiration for Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo, because I'm that just looking true. at um. That is correct. This is a guy with the like the the go, I'm like with the goatee. That's, on that's Bob like, Denver from Gilligan's Island. He's exactly. shaggy, yeah. yes. And I'm looking, I'm like, that's so shaggy. Yeah, that's how it was. So well, uh, the picture I'm looking at, at this guy, he's got crazy eyes. He looks like he <laughs> stabbed someone. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he was a, a, a spry 87 years old. Oh man. And yeah. we have uh, so that was the only sad news, but we have uh, from the sad news follow up department. Let me tell you though, Parkinson's is a terrible, terrible disease. So I don't know if any there, if there's any good diseases. And that's a good disease to have. Yeah, uh, safe you know, good diseases to have, you know. Uh -huh. No, no, it's not, not really. But so, it, Parkinson's is terrible. And even though it's sad that he's passed, I hope that he's like in a more peaceful rest place. in peace. That's what I was saying. So from the sad news follow-up department, uh, legendary actress Betty White's cause of death has been revealed as a, quote, cerebral vascular accident, unquote, which is more commonly referred to as a stroke, which happened six days before she died on January, wow. uh, December 31st, 2021. So she had a stroke and then she died six days later, which was, I believe, uh, 17 days before her birthday. So she was yes. 99. I really and thought of course her people question. 
Yeah. Did she get the vaccine? Yeah. They, uh, without getting too much into it, because we have uh, not much time left, um, she did get the, uh, the booster shot before she got the stroke. So make of that what you oh, want. Like right before she got the stroke? Um, I think it was like a couple of days beforehand. Oh, really? You have to do, you have to do, you have to do your due diligence research. And I did a little okay. bit and I believe that was it. But we got to move on because we have uh, tons of stuff and not much time. Moving on. So much news. Uh, let's Moving see. on. From the. Oh, this is a story about a guy named Al and he lived in a sewer with his hamster pal. But the sanitation workers really didn't approve. So he packed up his accordion and had to move to a city in Ohio where he lived in a tree. And he worked in a nasal decongestant factory and he played on the company bowling team. And every single night he had a fringe recurring dream where he was wearing leader hosen and a vat of sour cream. But that's really not important to the story. Department. Of all places, the Roku channel has announced that none other than Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, has been cast in Weird, the Al Yankovic story. The film is co-written by none other than Will Al himself. Executives say <clears throat> the biopic holds nothing back, exploring every facet of Yankovic's life, from his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon, to his torrid celebrity love affairs and famously depraved lifestyle. Weird, the Al Yankovic story takes audiences on a truly unbelievable journey through Yankovic's life and career from gifted child prodigy to the greatest musical legend of all time. Like that. Wow. By Weird Al himself. <laughs> so, so Harry Potter is going to be playing Weird Al? Yes, Harry Potter is going yeah. to be playing Weird Al in a Weird wow, Al Yankovic little, little, movie. Little height difference there. <laughs> A little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. So, Jen, hmm. are you familiar hmm. with Weird Al? Yes. Hey, yes. You, I've been go. compared to him. Really? I could see the that. female. Yeah, uh, like weird like, like weird sketchy stuff, weird comments and things. Right. Not, not well, a few years. Because you both play the accordion. It. Yeah, we both play the accordion. That's fine. <laughs> so, Weird Al says, when my last movie, UHF, came out in 1989, I made a hey, you do sound vow. like him. I made a solemn vow to my fans that I will release a major motion picture every 33 years, like <laughs> clockwork. I'm very happy to say that we're on schedule, and I am absolutely thrilled that Daniel Radcliffe will be portraying me in, in the film. I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role future generations will remember him for. Hey, um, did he... Did he, his, his last movie 33 years ago, was that UHF? Yes, no. UHF. That was his only yeah. movie that he made. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, so like clockwork. I yes. believe it came out yeah. right at the same time as Batman. I believe you are correct. And like, I believe I can fly. They did so many tests. And like, this should be, it should have been a huge, huge movie, but they premiered it next to batman which at the time that was that was uh one of the major blockbusters oh it's massive yeah. massive movie but it's like they what i don't know who decided like that batman wasn't going to be a formidable threat to the opening of the movie well to be uh, honest that it was got... the marketing <laughs> that, was it... that man movie did so well because of the market really or because yes. it was the first major motion picture with a huge budget for Batman. It was the marketing. I, I can tell you, I remember it vividly. It was the marketing. They pushed that thing. 
it was like the matrix. It was just that marketing was just a solid push because you didn't know what to expect. You didn't really see too much of the of the film in the preview right. trailers. It was all about where's everybody gone? And they were showing empty theaters, empty stadiums. Everybody was like, where is everybody? And they all went to see Batman. I remember that, that uh, campaign. Of course, yeah, because it was Batman. Actually, I wasn't a fan. I, I didn't want to see it because I was a fan of the Adam West Batman. So fair. That's fair. I'm, it was, it was the market. I said the marketing. It was the marketing. Okay. I like the. I you like think the they marketed. Adam... You think they marketed that way because it wasn't Batman? Like, come on. Oh no, I'm sure it had to do with it. But I, right. I believe if the mark, if they didn't have that marketing campaign, the movie would not have been what it was at the time. It well, might have been have successful. Batman. I'd like to see Ratman. Well, they have Ratcatcher. Oh, but Ratman. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Carry on. So we have. I, a, uh, yes, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was going to say the Batman Adam West movie answered a lot of questions for the fan of Batman. That no one on asked. TV. <laughs> no one well, ever I, asked. I, well, oh yeah, you weren't around. This is true. At that time, right? Correct. You weren't around. Yeah, no, but I so. watched it. Yeah, no, no. But he's saying well, at the time, were, it's different. You weren't there. No. At the time, there was like, if you notice, they run to the bat poles and jump on in their suits and come down as Batman and Robin. That was never answered until the movie. Was it? I don't even remember that being answered in the movie. Oh, yeah. They hit yeah. the switch. That was a switch. They hit the switch on the way yeah. down. Bat yeah. change. Yeah. <laughs> so they stopped yeah. it. They stopped it. <laughs> Yeah. Somehow they could stop a pole. No, it was while they were sliding down the pole. He hit the. the it switch. was while they were sliding down the. Yeah, pole. Yeah, I remember that. They just somehow were able to switch into new clothing. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like to... I it's like Iron Man when all the his his uh yeah. his outfit slaps on him. You know. Yeah, or like the animated Ghostbusters uh cartoon, the real uh, not the real Ghostbusters, the filmation one, yeah. where they when they went into the the thing and they the clothes slapped got slapped on him. Mm. But we yeah. have um, limited time left. And we have uh, this one big, one big uh, piece of news left I want to get to. So finally, from Lee, after all this time, that's the best you can come up with, department? After <laughs> months of silence, writer, director, and producer Josh Whedon has publicly addressed the allegations of misconduct on various projects that he worked on over the years, most recently with Gal Gadot and Ray Fisher on the set of the original Justice League film. Ray had accused Joss of, quote, gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable, unquote, behavior after he took over for Zack Snyder as the director of Justice League. Uh, To that, Joss says, we're talking about a malevolent force. We're talking about a bad actor in both scenes, in both senses, and that his storyline in the film, quote, logically made no sense to me, unquote. Keep in mind that his role was significantly cut in a theatrical release version. Gal had said that Joss threatened her career when she, when she refused to do a newly added scene in the film. To that, Joss says, this is the best thing ever, English is not her first language, and I tend to be annoyingly flowery in my speech. And that, he recalled joking about a scene saying that she'd have to tie his body to the train track to get him to cut it. But then he was told that, quote, that I had said something about her dead body and tying her to the railroad track, unquote. 
what do you think of that? Sarah? Yeah, this is like <laughs> when I go places and I often do this with people and then the person I'm with says something or I'll say something inappropriate and I'll just be like, yeah, they're not from this country. They don't speak English. <laughs> kind of like that. Oh, well, it's like, oh, yeah, they don't um, speak English. Whatever. <laughs> I'm constantly saying that to the kids getting out of the school uh, area. Like, guys, you got to leave. Well, I know Mr. Onion. I said, well, obviously English isn't your first language. Get the frig out of here. So. Oh, you're such a wonderful but, person towards children. <laughs> but for, for it, it's been years, if I'm not mistaken, since he's got accused and this, all this stuff has come out. And that's what he's going to say. I think he just should have not said anything. First of all, there's no, yeah, you're correct. There is no saying anything that's going to sound correct be, or good because, well, quite frankly, there's no excusing anything that he's done. Allegedly. I, allegedly. Allegedly. But it, it, as they would say on the movie Power, he did that <laughs> in, in the show Power. Yeah, he did that. Um, I I loved Joss. This is, you've always wanted to talk about something like this. I'll glimpse into it for a second, separating the person from the work. I've always liked his work, like Buffy and Angel and the comics that were spawned from them. Um, obviously Serenity and Firefly, all great shows, Dollhouse, great show. I think his work, his writing is great. I personally stopped liking him and trusting him as just a human being when I saw him at Comic-Con, <laughs> just as a, as a human being knowing decency, when I was at Comic-Con and they were doing a dollhouse um, panel panel, and he just like, like full out came out and said, like, I'm a feminist and I believe in like female power. And the moment I heard him say that there was something about it. I'm just like, don't trust him. Don't trust him. Don't trust this guy. Hmm. Don't like him. And it's not, it's nothing against feminism. It's just the way that he said it. I was like, this guy is using that as a cover. It's sneaky. Mm. And I don't trust him. I don't personally, I do not trust any man who just comes out and has to announce that they're a feminist because thousand percent when they do that, like you're not doing it because you actually believe in, in gender equality. You're doing it to a virtue single and announce something. So you can get something out of women. And from that exactly. moment, so when I heard all these allegations about him, I'm not shocked at all. So I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate with uh, less than five minutes ago and throw this out there. Um, sometimes there are directors in the workplace that have to get the best out of an actor. And sometimes they feel that sometimes they go about it the wrong way to get the best performances. It's not necessarily sexist. It might be a toxic environment, but it might just be what he thought he needed to do to get the best out of the talent. Now, Jenny, as a actress, what do you mm -hmm. think of that? What someone trying to get the best out of their actors? About, about, about there's the chance that maybe all this is being misinterpreted, or do you really think that, that he was a real jerk, uh, particularly? Oh, to I, I never and, make an opinion, even about people I met, unless I see it with my own eyes. That's just that's just how I work. So I, I don't know. My answer is, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, but so, yeah. so going with the, my question was as an actress, if someone treated you poorly to get the best yeah. out of you, yeah. would you consider it to be an attack personally against you? Or would it be something like, wow, you know, he had to go this way. He went the route the wrong way, but he got a performance out of me that I didn't think I could deliver myself. 
You know what? It, it's got to be, it's, it has to be exactly uh, based on the specific things they did. Okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, but, 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 you know, that is fair. That's a fair that, sure. That's... Maybe, you know, maybe, but it depends on what they do, you know? That's a fair, but that's a fair. I don't really like to be manipulated. So it's, it's not really. Oh. Because it, right. it's happened uh, before. Yeah. So we have uh, less than three minutes. So Charlie, you want to throw your two cents in? Yeah, I was I was going to say very quickly, Alfred Hitchcock used to do it all the time to his actresses. I mean, Tippi Hedrum was uh, afraid of birds and he said, go in that room. And that was the iconic scene where the birds were attacking her. Um, Janet, Janet Lee screaming for her life. That was him going at her with the knife, you know. So, yeah, he scared the hell out of his actresses, but he. You see what he had on film. I mean, Tippy Hedren had had to take two weeks off after that. But again, he got what he wanted on film. Stanley so, Kubrick I mean, was known for the same thing. Yeah, believe. yeah. Stanley Kubrick, at least certainly on um, The Shining, what he did to, uh, uh, what's her name? Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall. Duvall, yeah. Uh, between her and Jack Nicholson, I think she quit filmmaking after that. So I, I think that... Um, they're, they're they're trying to do their job and maybe they could have done a, a different way around it and like jen said you really don't know unless you were there and you know if gal was there and joss was there and stuff happened you know only they know so the, i'd right? agree with that except it's becoming a pattern of people like charisma carpenter said about him yes that's um, true. what's her name who played michelle, Buffy michelle says trashenberger uh, who was uh, there's Dawn. a series of actresses that have just said the same thing about him now so no it, it, no. What exactly did he do? So actually, um, you're gonna have to have a listen to an old episode because okay. we're almost out of time. Yeah. But the short version is that he was not a nice guy, particularly to women and minorities on set. That's that's uh that. so we have nice less than a minute to go. He threatens okay. to ruin a lot of people's careers. He's he's like vocally uh abusive and possibly even physically abusive. Mm. Yeah, okay. so with less than a minute to go, um Senior correspondent Charlie Saladini, you have a final thought? Yes, don't be like Joss. Respect everybody and be nice. All right. <laughs> Dominic? Uh, I second what Charlie said because that was going to be my final thought. Don't <laughs> oh, be a, sorry, Doc. Don't be a Joss Whedon. If you're a man, <laughs> don't announce you're a feminist. Just be one by your actions. Jen? Uh, nutritional yeast is a great source of vitamin B, and I just ran out. Um, so with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be... Right back with the came from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe. And I am here at CradleCom, and I am with It Came From The Radio. Celebrate 2022 at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin with the Marvel Comics event X-Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. And from DC Comics comes the series debut of Chip Sadarsky's Batman The Night. And from Image Comics, don't forget to get Aerosmith number one at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. You can pre-order everything to make sure you get your comics. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 8, Thursday and Friday, 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday from noon to 5. That's Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, located at 846 Merrick Road in Baldwin, New York. Happy New Year from Cosmic Comics! 
Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, everybody, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. This is one of the interviews that, you know, I love my job for. I am with the very beautiful, very beautiful Rachel Grant. She is a Bond girl. And if she, you were in Die Another Day, and um, you played, the name was, was great, was that Peaceful Fountains of Desire? Yes, that's right. I played Peaceful Fountains of Desire in the James Bond film Die Another Day opposite Piers Brosnan. She is a masseuse. Well, she's undercover. She's actually an assassin, but she's posing as a masseuse. And she um, she goes to give James Bond a visit. And when he arrives in Hong Kong at his hotel room, and it's such a lovely scene because it's the first time that we see... James Bond as himself because prior to that he's got a full with a beard and you know he's looking very scruffy as he walks into the hotel room uh, and then he um, he transforms himself so uh, it's a very nice scene where he's James Bond as he is in Die Another Day as you first see him as Bond and I'm 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 there in the room with him and it's it's lovely it's, it's it was three wonderful days working with Pierce Brosnan on set in London at Pinewood Studios. That had to be the most exciting thing, just for all the people who love James Bond movies, for you to be on the set and working on a James Bond movie. Um, what other things have you done? So I've done lots of British TV and I've done other movies. I've worked with actors like um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Stephen Rare. Um, uh, I've done movies with Kevin McKidd. Um, I was in The Pur Purifiers with him and trying to think of all these, trying to think of TV shows that aren't so known just to, Brit to Britain and movies. And um, I had a show on the Sci-Fi Channel in England for three years. I played a character called Nina. It became their most watched slot, uh, the Friday night st strand, the slot. Um, all sorts of things. I love it. I, I've done theatre. I've I grew up in theatre and I come from a family of performers. And um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, what's uh, down the road for Rachel Grant? So at the moment, um, so during COVID, I got pregnant and had a baby. <laughs> so she's not even a year old yet. So she's like 10 months. So I am I'm busy being a mama, but I just got a new agent. And as of January, I will have a, a nanny at home. So hopefully I'll be doing something soon, something new. Beautiful. Rachel, if people want to see how beautiful you are, or, uh, or what's social media? Get it out there for people. Yeah, sure. You can go to my website, rachelgrant.com, or come to me on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. My, You can friend me or follow me at um, Miss Rachel Grant. That's Instagram and Facebook, Miss Rachel Grant, and it's simply M-I-S-S-R-A-C-H-E-L-G-R-A-N-T. 
Rachel, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you. I know you're very busy. I want to thank you for this uh, interview. I'm sitting here with a Bond girl. I cannot tell you how beautiful this lady is. But Rachel, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And never stop watching movies. <laughs> I, say I say that because everybody's like watching TikToks and videos on yeah. social media. But you know, we still should have that joy of watching movies and being moved as and as a team, as as a group to to come together to watch films because there's something in that that yeah, I loved as a child. Definitely. Grouping together with other people, right. having that laughter around you. You know, we shouldn't be stuck solo by ourselves in front of a in front of a screen. We all do it, but it's still good to get together. Yeah. The more we get together, the happier <laughs> we'll be. Thank you so much, Rachel Grant. This is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio, live at Valley Who's Time Flight Convention. Back to you, Mark. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about my uncle's wedding. Ooh, yes, your mm -hmm. uncle, your middle uncle, well, my middle brother, actually, <laughs> is getting... My middle uncle. Middle <laughs> uncle. Well, he is, almost, right? Uh, I don't know, is he? I don't know, I haven't even How heard... How old is... Yeah, well... Yeah, actually, he might be. I have... Two brothers, but then mom he, has no. This well, she has. I have an uncle, but that's through marriage. That doesn't yeah. matter. This is your. So, but then, wouldn't he just be the oldest uncle? I guess that's true. He is the oldest uncle because I'm not your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. The middle brother, the uh, first uncle. Yeah. The oldest uncle. Yep. Yeah, that's really ridiculous, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we just went through that whole etymology right there. All right, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> he is getting married. He's your oldest uncle getting married. He's your oldest he's just, uncle, he's and he's an getting, uncle married. getting married. He's an uncle getting married. He's the last one in the family of to get married to get married out uh, of your generation. out of my generation exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, um, he's getting married in Brooklyn. Across the street from Peter Luger's, someplace, hmm. the Waverly, I think, or was What's that the, the or was that the hotel? I don't remember. Anyway, that was. Are you excited that he's getting married? Yes, uh, I'm disappointed that I'm not a bridesmaid. What? Or is? <laughs> but your future <laughs> aunt is going to be I'm very upset when she kidding. hears I'm this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> but you still get to wear a dress. That I haven't gotten. Also, I'm just kidding about the bridesmaid thing. Sorry. <laughs> oh, stop it. Who cares? She doesn't care. It's not. It's fine. You're not supposed to be. Your mom's a bridesmaid. Your aunt's a bridesmaid. I'm half old enough. <laughs> you were a flower girl in a few uh, weddings. Yeah, but that's when I was like, what, five? Three. Two? Three? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a certain point where you just become someone in the audience. Yeah. And that's what you are now at your uncle's wedding. In the audience. 
Very We're sad. going to be in the audience. Are you the best man? I am one of the best men. Is Gary the other one? Yes. Is yeah. anyone else the other one? That's it. It's just the two of us. I mean, nice. I guess you could have a million of them. Usually, that's how you work it. Is your who are blood the related. are there other people that are going to be? There are other people in the wedding party. Yes. So you have the men, the groomsmen, and then you have the bridesmaids, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many are in each. I don't really, you know, I know they're like really good friends of each person. You know, your aunt, your soon-to-be uncle. Mm-hmm. I mean. Wait, no, reverse. soon to be aunt and uncle. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> wrong, wrong way. We're reversing that, exactly. So um, uh, are you looking forward? This is going to be like a pretty cool party, I think. Really? Why are we I haven't been to I haven't been to a wedding in like years. I don't know. You haven't been to a wedding? Well, this is going to be very strange, right? But it's going to be good because it's, it's going to be, yes, masks because of COVID, right? Oh, yeah, true. But at some point... Are we having, like, is there going to be, like, a dance floor or whatever? There will be a dance floor. There will but be... But we still have to wear... I don't know about that part of it yet. That's but, so weird to well, think about. Well, yes. I mean, it's almost similar to your bat mitzvah, right? Like, we had to wear yeah, masks. Yeah, but we did that outside, so we didn't have to wear masks. Right. This is going to be in February. So we can't do it outside. <laughs> we can't do it outside. But it should be awesome because we're going to be um, sending off your uncle... Who Sending off our uncle Yes, into the world of marriage It's a very exciting thing You know I'm not going to be very uh, like Oh, don't do it, don't do it No, you do it And you have a great time And you live life and have fun Yeah You know, that's what it's all about Right? Mm-hmm. You're married, you have kids You know, all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, you don't seem like you're convinced I mean Well, you're 14 You shouldn't be convinced I don't want you to get married at all Yet <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what yet, happens. Yeah, yet. yeah. I don't know. You need. That's a whole other story. Yet. You're not getting married until I say you get married. Mm. Do you think that's how it works? How are you? You gonna speak up? No. No. Uh, <laughs> you getting married today? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm getting married to my stuffed animal whale. That's gross. Okay. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you're looking forward to this wedding. Yes. It's gonna be great. There's gonna be a lot of dancing, a lot of food. Right? What food? I don't know. He kept it a secret. That's annoying. Well, that's just the way it is. He wants to surprise everybody in their taste buds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Dominic. Definition Man Sperano for It Came From The Radio, once again, coming to you from my private pandemic bunker, also known as my basement. Uh, and with me today are, quite frankly, I can't say it enough, uh, I haven't said it yet at all, uh, comic book royalty in a certain way, Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. If you read comics in the Marvel comics in the 80s and 90s, you know their work. Whether you re- paid attention to it or not, you know these two gentlemen and their work. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. 
Thanks very much, Tom. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, it, what about what about our work in you know in, in the two thousands? Well, plenty of work. <laughs> you've you've got, uh, it, this the statement that that everyone knows your work goes well beyond the eighties and the nineties because I have probably read. I started first collecting comics in the early 90s when I started reading them. And then like I took a bit of a break and I definitely came back in the late 90s all the way into like the the 2000s. So I have probably read so much of your stuff. I can't even begin to contemplate it between the two of you. You guys have like been one of the foundations of basically if, if people watch the Marvel movies today, they wouldn't have happened without you guys. <laughs> That may be overstating it a little bit, Dominic, but thank you very I, no, much. I'm not saying like like I'm not saying you were the you were the executive producers on it, but a lot of the storylines, a lot of what made Marvel popular that allowed them to get to that level wouldn't have been done without you. You were the guys that were there and getting that stuff done. You know. Uh, okay. Bye. I don't believe it, but I'll accept it. Yes, we're, if, if you think we're going to argue that point too too vehemently, you're wrong. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. So accept the wonderful us, compliment. Take um, that, Kevin Feige. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, everyone. Something came before whatever the big thing was. You were the were the guys that came before that set it up to make that happen. And that's in my opinion, my humble opinion. So it's a pleasure to talk to you guys today. We're here to talk about your current work with Apex Comics, though. Let's not live in the past. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> look, we could we could we could banter all about what was done, but let's talk about what you guys are doing now. That's what's really the more interesting to me. I want to know like what you're working on now with Mariano at Apex and what you guys what you're going on and what you're excited about in the future. Tom, do you know the name of the project? Do you want to you want to go first? <laughs> the name of the project is the right project. Not the wrong project. The Not right. The project. wrong project or, 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 or the right program. It's the right project. Um, <laughs> see, I got it right, huh, Ron? <laughs> yes, you did, sir. Thank you very much. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> so, tell us about the right project. Ron, would you like to? Uh... I, I can go a little bit into that. Yes. Uh, it's in a, uh, a, a medium sized American city called New Hope that's uh, coincidentally about the size of Pittsburgh and it's on a river, you know. So that I don't know if that has anything to do with me being born and raised in Pittsburgh or not. No. It could. It could. It could. It could. <laughs> but anyway, in this city, uh, a, a scientist named. Uh, Dexter Click has created a program uh, which he calls the the Wright Project, which stands for Reality Integrated Gravitic Hologram Technology. Gravitic. By gravitic. So by manipulating magnetic fields, he's able to give these holograms a uh, a gravity center, which in effect gives them mass. So wow. Mr. Wright completely stands for multi-platform, real-time, reality-integrated gravitic hologram technology. So basically, he's able to create holograms that have mass that could be used in dangerous working situations, in first responding situations, 
in uh, you know in any situation where where dangerous labor is necessary uh, without putting human life at risk. And he's been developing this technology for years. Unfortunately, the gravity center is has proven to be unstable, and he can't really he hasn't really nailed it for practical use at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's a young man who hangs around uh, his lab, uh, who is a friend of Professor Click's niece, Carlin. His name is uh, Jeffrey Lopez, and he is much like any other 12, 13, 14-year-old, deeply into video games. And uh, he got a hold of the avatar that the professor has been working with, and he has turned him into a superhero that he can inject into his video games, into his uh, as a playable character. And in a moment of, of uh, incredible jeopardy, he is able to activate this character, Mr. Wright, mm-hmm. and Mr. Wright interacts with the real world and uh, doesn't seem to have any problem with the whole gravity center holding. And... Uh, Nobody really knows why. Somehow Jeff is the only one that can make this thing work. Uh, And Mr. Wright is psychically linked to Jeff and refers to him as player one. And uh, we also uh, find out that uh, Jeff is in jeopardy given that anything that happens to Mr. Wright is felt by Jeffrey. So if Mr. Wright is injured, Jeffrey feels the pain. If Mr. Wright were to be put in a situation uh, of maximum peril, then Jeffrey could lose his life. So uh, this all develops around the characters, and uh, we set up a world and a family of characters that that everybody will hopefully care about. And uh, that is why we use the title "The Right Project," uh, because it is about the technology. It's about the people involved in the technology and the people affected by the technology, and it's going to be a lot of fun. It was really our way of creating a timeless superhero character, square-jawed, blue-eyed, ready to take on the world and ready to do the right thing because it is the right thing, Mm -hmm. but injected into the real world, our world of cynicism and ridiculousness and everything. So it's a treatise on heroism more than anything and, and fun. So uh, that's pretty much what it was. When we were given a chance to develop something on our own, we, we went to the things that, uh, the, the roots of why we're involved in this industry to begin with. So if you are familiar with our work, as Dominic suggested, then I, I think you're going to find something that you'll recognize and something that you'll enjoy. This is exciting to me because, look, I like gritty stories. I like cynical stories and, and, and all these things, but I feel culturally that, and, and you can see this often with like people having problems with Superman, the idea of like just having someone who's sort of a character that's pure of heart, that just wants to do the right thing. People don't necessarily today wanna, wanna believe in a character like that. So I like the idea that you're trying to create a character and, and or, or created a character like that. I feel culturally we're missing that. I think we, we need more inspirational, pure, for lack of a better term, pure heroes in our, in our culture that we can look up to and admire, even if they're fictional. And I don't think we have enough of that. And I think that's something that culturally we need. Um, you guys have been working together 
for a, quite some time. Who came to who first with this idea? Uh, we were at a dance and nobody asked us to dance and we were the last ones along the wall there and <laughs> just kind of decided, well, if nobody else wants us, maybe maybe we should work together uh, and we still can't dance. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, you actually, can sit and point out the people that are. <laughs> no, yeah. I, 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 I was, uh, you know, I was a penciler for Marvel and uh, Tom at one point became my editor on, on uh, the, he was the editor on the Spider-Man titles, which included Marvel Team Up. And he hired me to do Marvel Team Up. And we uh, met live a few times and came to realize that we enjoyed the same kind of comics and, and were big fans of hoo-ha action and what Stan Lee had, you know, the innovation Stan Lee had brought to comics. And, and uh, so we were working together, editor penciler. And then when uh, Spider-Man opened up, Danny Fingeroth had the crazy idea of putting us together as writer penciler. And uh, it's, it's just always been a, a hand in glove type of a partnership for me, Tom. Yeah, Ron and I at, at one point just started talking uh, when we were working on, on Spider-Man a million years ago, um, we, we were just spending hours on the phone discussing the character. And somehow the stories, you know, kind of flowed from that. And I, I, I can never figure out how they flowed. But, you know, we, we discussed what Peter Parker would have for lunch. And, uh, and, and would the, he, what would yeah, Peter Parker eat for lunch? Well, it, <laughs> it depended it's on. The but that's an interesting thing. Like you don't, you don't. I would never think about them. Like, yeah, what would like Peter Parker like to eat? What would be the, the rounding out, the fleshing out of this character and make him so real? I, that, that's an interesting conversation that you two would have. Tom, you yeah. opened, you opened the door for that one, Tom. You got uh, well, an answer. I, you know, I I think that for lunch he'd probably have like a turkey sandwich or something like that. I can see that. You know, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that makes and, sense to me. You know, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I think he'd probably put mayonnaise on it instead of mustard, which I find very insulting. I find that exactly right. So yeah. there you go. There you go. <laughs> but, but I do disagree with Pete on his choice of pizza toppings, and, and it was one of the first major, major disagreements that Tom and I had, because Tom uh, posited that Peter Parker would have anchovies on his pizza and i i can't see that i'm sorry no that obvious that obviously comes from the radiation in his blood because no normal person puts anchovies on a pizza i i drive we we ended up dropping the anchovies but we, okay. did, uh, we did keep we did keep the green olives i oh i love green olives on a pizza but i i'm pretty i'm pretty sure you still had pete saying something positive about anchovies so. he might have he might have at the time oh, we can yeah. all agree though being a New Yorker, he would never put pineapple on a pizza. Oh, no. come on. What, what are we or, or, or buy anything other than a New York slice. Come on. Right. No, he's not no. going for Chicago deep dish. No, he's, he's, a, he's a New York kid through and through. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, although, as a confirmed New Yorker, I, I found the, a, a great use for Chicago deep dish pizza. On a, on a winter night, they, they, you know, it's nice to warm your feet in it. <laughs> Oh, and and had the shots have been fired. Oh, that's a shot he's firing all the time. Okay, they don't even let him in Chicago anymore because of that. So, 
of the two of you, who approached who for this particular project? Who came up with the idea first? Or were you just, did this come from conversations you had and you just kind of were, were talking and it's in a, the genesis was there? I think, uh, go ahead, Tom. Well, I, I think Ron had designed the character um, as a possible, you know, character to show up in Spider Girl at one point or another. Yes. And, oh, so uh, you've been having this for you've been holding on to this for a while. Uh, it, it's it's been in in development for for a while. It was something that we actually put together uh, a while back, and uh, and we kind of got sidetracked and got other regular paying work and everything. So uh, when Apex approached us, it was something that was uh, you know crying to finally get out in front of the public. But, but Tom is correct. I mean, the, the character wasn't completely designed as he appears now, but it was a name and a concept that I had in, on the back burner as a possible background character in the MC2 universe. And, uh, and, and like with most things, the opportunity presented itself. So Tom and I started discussions to say, okay, if we're going to do this, finally, if we're going to do... Uh, you know, we're not working for a company. We're not working on branded characters. What would we like to do? And, you know, pretty quickly we came up with the, 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 the basics, which is we, we love the physical characters like Captain America and Daredevil. Uh, we're not, you know, we didn't want to go cosmic at this point. So we, we wanted a fairly grounded character uh, physically and and we wanted him to stand for something and, and, and we wanted it to be an all ages type of a thing. And, you know, to have a lot of action and, and angst and adventure without being violent or dark or, you know, I, I think the industry has plenty of that. And, uh, you know, we'd like to, to be the counterpoint to that kind of stuff. Not that there's not validity to that kind of work, but, uh, there's plenty of it out there. So, you know, I, I think counter-programming can be a, can be a, a good thing and uh, possibly even make people appreciate all of it better, you know, but uh, uh, that's never been our, our uh, bailiwick. It's never been our style to go real dark or anything. We, we, we believe in traditional heroes and that's kind of what we're trying to, to, to do here. That's awesome. I'm looking at the Apex site right now, and I'm I'm seeing the cover of the right project, and it definitely fits stylistically the 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 art of what you're saying. It, it square jaw square jawed, like classic looking superhero. Um, you're, you're right on the money. Now, is it out, or when will it be coming out? I I think officially it comes out on um, the the first weekend in December. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I, it's it's at the printers now, and we hope they're doing their magic. Um, Ron and I are going to be at the Los Angeles convention. Um, I think that's that December third to the fifth, something like that. Um, uh, even though they don't acknowledge us there for some reason, um, and that that's when we're going to be officially launching the comic book. We, we, we'll be guests of, of Liquid Avatar, who are the, uh, the partners to Apex Comics in this project. Okay. Uh, and we will be at their display on the floor for, for the LA Comic Con. And uh, yeah, that'll be the big 
launch of the book and of course people who donated and became a part of the uh, Indiegogo campaign will be receiving their their books uh, thereafter but uh, we'll have copies at the show and we'll be signing them and uh, introducing the character to the public now chances are that this interview that we're doing right now will air after the comic-con so for those who are listening do you know where they could find it if they want it after the con uh, no no <laughs> <laughs> it's a good no, question those are all questions that Mariano, as the publisher of Apex, would have to answer, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. We'll have to get him back on and, and hold him down, put his feet to the yeah. fire. Yeah. Now, where, we only got about four minutes left, so please tell us where people can find you if they want to see more of your work, um, all your social media, that kind of stuff. Tom? <laughs> My social media is uh, like just Facebook. And I, I, I have all the friends that I'm allowed to have it on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I'm really a stiff when it comes to social media because anytime I turn on my computer, I should be working. And, uh, and the internet is, is not a good place for me to be. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm not, I'm not much better. I don't have much of a social media footprint either. I'm on Facebook just as Ron Friends. And uh, but it's a it's mostly just my comics life. It has nothing to do with my private life. So I'm usually. Wait a minute! You have a private life? I occasionally make time for something, Tom. Yeah. So this is why you can't do those extra assignments I have. That's you. exactly it. Yes, I'm pretending I have a normal life too. But uh, uh, I'm on Facebook as Ron Friends, and I pub I up there I I put up uh, sketches and talk about my uh, time in the industry and try to keep a conversation going and basically let fans who care know that I'm still alive and breathing. Uh, so there'll be a lot of background stuff, not only on uh, Mr. Uh, on the right project, but also uh, I'm all working with a, a California based publisher called uh, Sitcomics Binge Books and doing a character and a book for them. So uh, you can find me on Facebook. And I'm also, I also take uh, private commissions through CatskillComics.com. He is my rep. I sell original art and take commissions through CatskillComics.com. One word. All right. Well, I can definitely say that if you go to ApexComicsGroup.com, you can see the, uh, the cover of Mr. Right Project. And I know that they have a Comixology account, so hopefully it'll be coming, being put on the Comixology uh, website after its launch, uh, after the LA Comic-Con. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've had a great time discussing comics with you guys. Uh, please come back soon. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, Dominic. Thank you very much. Yeah, we enjoyed it, Dominic. Thank you. All right, let's take it back to the show. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. 
Text me at 631-606-8166. This is Carrie Steller from In the Girls' Corner, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Hi, this is Amy Jo Johnson, writer-director from the film The Space Between, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com, Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.